Blog Talk Radio. You got me, Lee? Yes, I do. All right, Chaz? I got you, Roger. Chaz must have himself. All right. All right. So um, Chris is coming along, I guess, one of his youngins had uh, an archery tournament go over later then. So apparently it was a boring race. Um, I obviously did not get a chance to watch much uh, busy Friday and Saturday with work, but I will say this: uh, we'll get to we'll get to uh, the Xfinity series in a little bit. But uh, congratulations to Josh Matthews for bringing a point to the NASCAR and irritating NASCAR to the point where they gave him a one race suspension. But we'll talk about that coming up in a little bit. Um, what do we take away from Atlanta Motor Speedway? Because you shared some, you shared some stats earlier in the day from Hotlanta. Uh, that numbers were down. That numbers were down, yeah. and I'm wondering if what I said in the chat is is correct. Um, I mean, we can get to that now. Um, if we needed to, uh, or we can wait till after the Cup Series. Uh, yeah, I mean, we can wait till after the Cup Series. It's it's a kind of blends in with that, but uh, Truck Series kicked things off on Saturday, um, with a what from what I heard was a caution-filled festival on Saturday. And not just the truck series, we're going to talk Xfinity, too, and we'll get to that when we get there. Um, truck series, 
Christian Eckes brings it home for the McAnally uh, team that was a Toyota team, now a Chevy team. And the weird part about this is I'm going to tie Truck Series and Xfinity Series together. Um, former driver of that 19 truck, uh, Derek Krause, uh, just announced he's got a ride, um, part-time ride with um, – Colleague racing in the Xfinity series. Um, I know he struggled with the 19 truck in the last couple of years um, after being the K&N West series slash ARCA West series now. And uh, a little awkward that they came out with that news after the 19 truck won. But Chris Neckis, anyways, your race winner from the truck series. Um, let's see, stage one, Christian Neckis took the win. Uh, stage two was Matt Crafton after finishing fourth in stage one. And then, of course, Christian Eckes uh, won the race, followed by Nick Sanchez, John Hunter Nemechek. Um, John Hunter Nemechek driving for the new Tricon Garage team that was formerly known as David Gillen Racing. Um Bailey Curry finishing fourth, and Ben Rhodes, the top five. Matt DiBenedetto, another talk of the town for him in this race. Uh, fifth in stage one, stage two, didn't finish in the top ten, but he comes out finishing sixth. Um, can this be a small sign of Benedetto trying to uh, – shine and get back into the cup series or are we gonna are we getting a little ahead of ourselves i think it might be a little too soon to say to to come out with such a bold prediction but we know we know maddie d we know he'll shine he'll hit his stride i I, I got a question I agree with Miss Lee. He'll sooner or later uh, hit his stride, and when he does, I think it'll be, uh, I think it'll be earth shattering. But I, I've got a question for you. Sure. You keep going in and out, Tess. Christian Eckes on his Atlanta win says, "I've got a lot to prove." Why does he say he's got a lot to prove? What? Uh, he said he had a tough off season and he's working hard to improve his rank in the truck series. What's that all about? No, he doesn't have a lot to prove. It's more of the Derek Krause situation because um, he was the driver of that 19 truck for quite a while, for the last few years, actually. And he was with that McAnally team from his days in the K&N West, which is now the Arco West series. And he was with the truck, with that truck team afterwards. Uh, now he's not with that team. Uh, as far as I know, he has no full-time ride. And for the Xfinity Series, he just announced he's got a part-time ride with Colleague Racing. I want to say it's the 10 car, but don't quote me on what number car. But it's still uh, some top equipment in the Xfinity Series. Um, like I said, awkward news in a sense that Christian Eckes in the 19 truck won the race 
and the, the former driver of that truck is now in a top Xfinity series ride for at least part time. Uh, yeah, I was just curious what all that all that was about. Uh, Lee, you got Miss Lee, you got anything on on the truck? Yeah. I- I just I just caught the last couple laps of the trucks, but I I heard the same as, about it being such a, a caution fest, and and then of course you know the Xfinity um, race turned out to be much the same. Yeah. Well, if, I, if memory serves me right, and we're going to get into Xfinity in just a minute. The only um, they had no qualifying for trucks and Xfinity, isn't, isn't that right? Because Correct. of rain on yes. Friday? Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, they pretty much were racing a green racetrack. And, but I would I would think the caution should only be in the first 40, 50 laps, if that. By then, you should know what your car is going to do, and or your truck, I should say, car and truck. And, you know, that's why I think you didn't see a whole lot of them in the cup race because, or you didn't hear so much about it because there was a lot of rubber laid down. But let's talk about Xfinity uh, so that we were right on time. Uh, yeah, Xfinity. Kaz, what do you get? Uh, Xfinity race, as Miss Lee said, pretty much caution fest. Um, we do have a hot topic on the Xfinity series, believe it or not, coming from the weekend. We'll get more into that later. Um, Austin Hill winning the race. Hill on a on a very solid start for the season. Um, I do remember him saying, I think it was last week, uh, saying that he was disappointed in a seventh place finish, but is still happy and proud of the team for their efforts for the weekend. Um, is this a sign of Austin Hill? Um, I think we're seeing a side of Austin Hill we haven't really seen um, in, in the last couple of years. Uh, let me recap his race. Stage one winner, stage two finished eighth, and of course the race winner. Um, notables in that one, Parker Kligerman, uh won stage two, didn't finish top ten in the first stage, um, and then finished his top five, fourth place. So quick thoughts on Austin Hill and Parker Kligerman. Um, for being uh, smaller, I guess you could say smaller names, and now starting to kind of thrive. Well, Parker Kligerman has been in the sport. Go ahead, Craig. Go ahead, Lee. Yeah, I mean, uh, Parker Kligerman has been around the sport a long time. Um, So I would expect him to do good things. I think it's great that a smaller team smaller teams are doing a lot better. Um, I, I, I'm interested to see what the season holds, but Parker don't race all the time. So then what? I mean, you can't have one good race and expect it's going to be a, uh, a hell of a season for you when you only race maybe two or three times a year. Go ahead, Lee. Well, I was just going to say that, you know, isn't that what these series – isn't isn't that the the uh, motto of ex, either the Xfinity or the Truck Series is that names are made here 
So yeah, it's good to right. see some of these younger younger names, newer names coming out and doing well. And my bad, Parker is in a full time ride this year, so uh it is my mistake. Yeah. So I apologize. So, so with Austin Hill having the success he's having, does that say something about RCR as a whole? We're already seeing some uh, bright flashes on the cup side with Kyle Busch moving over, but are we seeing something um, kind of come into fruition with RCR as a whole? Or is this Austin Hill finally, you know, kind of breaking out of his shell? Well, I think it could be a combination of both because you got to remember, um, you know, all of the experience that, that Kyle brings with him, having had Kyle Busch Motorsports and, and, you know, all of the success that he's had in, um, you know, both the trucks and the, and the Xfinity Series. So I think there's definitely something to be said for that, come, that type of experience coming to RCR to help build those programs as well as working on their cup program. On the flip side, give give credit where credit's due. We we talked about Austin Hill a lot last year too. So, you know, this is a good thing for him. Craig, yeah, I have to agree with Lee. I have to agree with Lee. I think that uh, you know, with, with Kyle coming over there, he he brings a whole new fire to that organization. And he's going to make everybody, whether it's the Xfinity Series or the Cup Series, he's going to make everybody step up their game. And, you know, and if you don't, you probably won't be there long. Um, you know, he wants to be associated with a race-winning organization. And... You know, he doesn't want to have to wait for everybody to prove themselves. So I think that that's that's going to be part of. Now, one point Chris mentioned here, um, and I and I heard, I didn't really catch. I unfortunately did not catch the interview, um, but I did see this as a headline going around. Justin Allgaier, um bashing this style of racing we are having. Is super speedway racing um, kind of a bad thing for NASCAR, good thing? Where do you guys sit on that? Well, I think you're always going to have super speedway racing. You're not going to get rid of it. Um, I like it as long as there's, as long as it's good competition. If there's no competition, I mean, I remember years and years back, probably, uh, Chris, correct me if I'm wrong, or, or Miss Lee or even Taz, if you remember, um, Talladega went caution-free. I mean, you won't get that now because of the stage breaks, but it went caution-free. And if I remember right, it, it was boring except for the lead changes because there was no – there was no excitement to it. So, I mean, it's always going to have – Super Speedway is always going to have its detractors, much like um, road courses. People were complaining about road courses. We got road, we got a lot of road courses. Now people are complaining about that. So, uh, 
people wanted to race on dirt. We race on dirt. Now people complain about that for the last three years. So, you know, we as people are never going to be happy no matter what happens. So, so I caught, so not, I now have what uh, his interview was. So during the post race interviews, Speaking about his day, Allgaier seemed upset about how treacherous the race was, then getting spun following Barry's contact. He mentioned that NASCAR has ruined the track with reconfiguration and is hoping for a solution as it provides a great racing experience. He said it's just not fun, the style of racing. After reconfiguration of the track, to me, it's completely ruined this place. I hope we can figure something out because the fans here, this market for us, this is such a great place and it's always been unbelievable racing. And to do what we're doing now, I think we ran, what, maybe 20 green flag laps and before halfway, that's unrealistic for what we should be doing. And we definitely need to go back to the drawing board and figure something out before we come back here in the fall. He's kind of saying, basically, he's kind of bashing of how Atlanta Motor Speedway is running. And, you know, it's funny. It's funny because I did not see that interview either. But my first thoughts were that not that he was criticizing super speedway racing in general, but that he was going to be criticizing the way Atlanta has been turned into a pseudo super raceway. And I yeah. think if the fans have any issue with it, it's that exact same thing. Atlanta was never meant to be a super speedway. It, it didn't run like a super speedway, yet that's what we've got now. And did we really need another super speedway? No, we don't. Yeah, Atlanta. But NASCAR Atlanta. thought that's. I definitely think Atlanta... But NASCAR thought that's what the fans wanted. Atlanta needed the repave. I feel like the repave just wasn't it. They had to know once they they put new pavement down that it was going to make the track run like a super speedway. Um, well, no and, let's, and let's, also, let's also bring in another factor. Um, look at how they had to reconfigure the entrance to Pit Road and the disadvantages that that called into play. If you had to make a green flag pit stop and nobody else was pitting, by the time you got out of there, you were automatically two laps down. What the heck is up with that? Yeah. And I think that'll you'll see a definitely a definite change in that for the fall race. A definite change so. in that. Yeah, I feel like Atlanta Chris times um, Chris like, chimes in with the Xfinity cars are hard to drive and Sunday's race was great. And that's because they learned from all the screw ups. From Friday and or from Saturday, I mean, in my opinion. So go ahead, Josh. 
Atlanta, like I said, definitely needed a repave because that track took a wear on tires, and I could see where they were going with that in a sense. But at the same time, um, with the repave, it kind of – I can understand Allgaier's point, but what do you expect with a repave, unfortunately? But at the same time, Phoenix got the new look all of a sudden, but we never really got super speedway racing out of it. So what did they do in Atlanta that deferred from Phoenix? I couldn't answer that. I don't know. But I'll tell you what I do know, and that's the fact that that pit road uh, entrance debacle has to be changed. If NASCAR doesn't change it, those drivers should definitely scream and holler. Anybody want to chime in, or are we just going to? I think we can go ahead and move on to the cup race, and we can continue to compare and contrast. Right. All right, so let's talk about Sunday's cup race. I got to listen to a little bit of it. Uh, I didn't get to listen to much, but I did get to listen to some of it. I'm serious. Lee, what are your thoughts? Well, it was it was definitely um, not the caution fest that the previous two races were, and as you alluded to earlier probably much due to the fact that the the track finally got rubbered in. Um, It was interesting that what a factor the weather all weekend played in, um, you know, how the racing went and and how the, the track was too. You know, we all expect Hotlanta but of course, this early in the year, you can't predict what the weather's going to do. Right. I agree. You know, and it, it rained Friday, watched qualifying, so that brought everything. To, and lo and behold, I mean, from what I was able to see and what I was able to hear, it was a decent race. Chris said something about there were different winds. The winds were moving different in Atlanta. Very well could be. I also think that, as I alluded to earlier, they learned some stuff from Friday and Saturday, plus the earth from Saturday, plus there was a lot more rubber laid down on the track. So they weren't as, uh, the track was not green. Yes. Yeah, with Atlanta um, Cup Race, to me, if like you mentioned, I think they might have learned something from Saturday or maybe the cup guys just know how to race this type of style better. I don't know. And it it very well could be that they know how to race that style better now. So they're, they're taking what they, excuse me, they're taking what they learned from it what they've learned from previous races. Hello, my friend. Oh, 
Chris is here. Oh, God, man. We got to get this party started, man. Wow. My goodness gracious. I had sat back for 20 minutes to watch paint dry. Man, I tell you what, we got to get some ump in this show, man. How about that darn Cup Series race? That's what we're on, guys? Is that where we're yes, at? Yes, sir. They stopped the itinerary. That's where we should be. Oh, yes, man. Yeah. I mean, Josh Berry, a top 10 finish. Brett Keselowski. Uh, man, he was up front the whole damn race. Uh, Toyota finally came to the front. Uh, Fords worked so well together. Um, of course, our opinions from Saturday, We our <laughs> expectations for Sunday were in the similar uh, stance, I think. You know, we thought that we were going to see a shit show on Sunday as we kind of had seen on Saturday. Um, I do want to uh, say real quick that, you know, I think experience had a lot to do with Saturday. I think a green racetrack had a lot to do with Saturday. I think the winds coming out of the north had a diff- had a lot to do uh, with Saturday. I also think that experience, like, you know, we, we continue to say these 36 drivers that are in the Cup Series, they are the they are the best, and they should be the best. There is some that are probably there that shouldn't be there, but, hey, um, the fact of it is is, they are the better group of racers, and these guys that are in the Cup Series have plate raced for quite a while. I mean, the guys that were up front were the guys that you would see up front at Talladega or Daytona, right? Keselowski, Logano, uh, the the uh, uh, the Gibbs team, um, you know, Tyler Reddick, uh, Kevin Harvick. These are guys that we know can race uh, super speedway uh, racetracks. Fitting that type of package into a mile-and-a-half speedway, you know, the guys, the the younger guys had to adjust. They had to make those adjustments. We've seen after the first 100 uh, 100 laps uh, in the Xfinity race that things started finally clicking for the guys. And I don't know if it was because, uh, you know, half the field had already got wrecked out or if the Josh Williams kind of, you know, the effect kind of went from that that, hey, you know, um, this kind of calmed things down and got drivers more focused again on how to drive a race car. But uh, definitely the show that we've seen Sunday uh, was not the same show that we watched on Saturday. And thank goodness, right? I mean, it made us all feel a lot better uh, when we were able to go through some green flag racing. And I heard you guys say something about the pit row. I'm not sure NASCAR is going to change that. I know it puts a bad uh, – puts the, the guys who are trying to pit under green in a very uh, – a uh, uh, very big predicament, like that. Literally, they're digging the ground with the shovel because if a caution comes out, they're going to be two laps down. It's just it takes that long to get to pit road. But based off of how these guys are racing, you really have to have the pit road uh, in turn three because you're not going to be able to have packed racing guys come down to that type of minimal speed like you would at Talladega. Like you got plenty of racetrack at Talladega to get woed down. That is not the case at Atlanta. If you guys will go and you'll study how Atlanta, I mean, how Atlanta is, right, correct, versus how Talladega and Daytona are. When you're coming in off the banking, you've got all of that runway to run off of. You don't have that type of runway uh, for Atlanta. So NASCAR was really on cue to uh, <laughs> manipulate that, to, to figure out, hey, we've got to, we've got to push pit row entrance way back here that way it gives plenty of time because if not we're just going to have a bunch of balled up race cars uh wrecking in the infield and to the start finish line 
uh, because uh, because guys are just going to be too fast trying to come onto pit road or come on off the banking. Um, back to the storylines or back to the topics of of uh, the Cup Series race. I did mention something about BK. We'll have that on uh, the hot topic side. Uh, you know, surprise, surprise, Christopher Bell. Hey, I don't mean to toot my own horn, but I've come from the cellar to first in three or four races. And I tell you what, I don't think I've picked no more than, uh, I think, two or three different drivers. I'm not trying to give away my recipe here, uh, but I definitely have found something. And I think uh, what I found was what we all left with at the end of last year. Christopher Bell is the hottest Toyota driver within the TRD camp. Who's ready to argue that? Craig, I, I mean, come on. Spit your game, baby. No, I agree with you. He's the hottest driver out there right now. And congratulations to you from coming from the basement to coming from the basement to the to the penthouse. You went from the outhouse to the penthouse. Congratulations. Hey man. That's right. But it ain't all about me. You guys first of all, y'all did a great job uh kind of fixing that situation there. The tournament season is almost over with we're Matter of fact, we're going to start going to the states and those uh, higher end uh, tournaments as we close out the season. So I do appreciate you guys uh, as we work through this uh, situation with uh, with the archery and all. Um, I do want to give a quick rundown as we give the final uh, stats. Uh, let me get uh, this JC pulled up real quick. That's where I like to go. I know most of you guys already know this, but if you're just now tuning into us, I like to get a lot of my information from JC. I feel like it's 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 own call, it's own hand, it's right there. Uh, Atlanta TV racing, uh, TV ratings, Fox earned a 1.9 rating and uh, 3.42 million viewers for Sunday. That is down uh, 14%, I believe is what I read uh, earlier. Uh, that's not the stat of the day. I'll have the stat of the day here in just a second. But let me give y'all uh, the top 10 real quick. I hate we didn't hit the top 10. Uh-oh. Uh, from the uh, uh, from the other other series there. Let's see, Phoenix and Atlanta. Uh, Joey Logano, of course, the pole center. Joey Logano, the race winner. Uh, last, uh, really, last hundred feet pass. I don't know if Red K just opened the door for him. If he anticipated a run uh, that uh, he was. That uh, that Joey Logano was going to have. I do know that these guys have raced each other well over all these years. They were they've been real good friends in the past, and uh, so you know they work together. And you you guys could tell that they work together like hand and and glue. So uh, Joey Logano takes the win. Brad Keselowski. He, he hey they haven't scored third, but now the official thing has him scored second. Christopher Bell third. Corey LaJoy brings home a top five finish, y'all. Congratulations to that Celsius Chevrolet driver, Corey LaJoy, in the Spire Motorsports machine. Tyler Reddick gets him a top five. Tyler Reddick seems to be moving up the ladder, guys. Denny Hamlin, they're in the sixth spot. Ryan Blaney, surprise, surprise, not for most. Uh, Ryan Blaney, that body armor, smart water forward, uh, takes home second. Now, I I tell you what, this is the one that nobody's talking about. Eric Jones, top eight, right? Eighth place finish, a good finish for the Allegiant uh, Chevrolet there at uh, 
um, the Legacy Motorsports Club. Ty Gibbs, the top ten finish. He finished ninth. And Kyle Busch uh, in that tenth spot. Other notables, Noah Gregson finished twelfth. Uh, Ross Chastain, 13th, and Josh Berry, 18th. I'm bad for calling Josh Berry a top 10 finish. I believe that was the week before at Phoenix. Uh, sometimes my notes get mixed up. Also, uh, Kevin Harvick had a great run, got wrecked. Ross Chastain, did he do it? I'm not really sure. I should have had that in the hot topic. Uh, he did but, uh, not. Yeah. It was a racing incident. If you go back and look at that tape, it it was purely a racing incident. It was not done on purpose. That's that's what and the Harvick even said called. it was a, it was an air thing. Right, right, right. And tomorrow I'm on air from Seven Eleven. Stat of the day. All right. Stat of the day. This was a stat that I picked up. Um, that. Uh, I think it was on Saturday when I when I found this stat. And I was like, you know what? Like this is this is the stat that I that I want to share. Um, it was at one point in time. Okay, NASCAR ran 300 laps between two races at Atlanta on Saturday. 42 percent of those laps were under caution. Racing under green flag conditions might be fun, but it was hard to actually enjoy it sometimes. Hopefully the NASCAR Cup Series race is better. That was a tweet by Austin Kamenowski. Um, that was that was pretty fitting. I, I feel like that uh, deserved the stat of the day. Forty-two percent of the laps were run under caution uh, for uh, the truck and Xfinity race. That is the day. That is the day. That is the day. That is the day. All right. Well, that is the stat of the day. All right. I want to throw in something quick. Yeah, come on. Please. Hey, Um, please. You mentioned LaJoy and Reddick having uh, good finishes. Let's talk about their seasons overall, and especially Brad Kay. Uh, Brad Keselowski, I believe they said he's the (laughs) only driver so far to lead a lap in every race uh, this season. And then... Uh, Corey LaJoy and Tyler Reddick. While Tyler Reddick is starting to find his stride um, in the last couple of races to propel himself into a 15th place standing in the points right now, Corey LaJoy, um, he ha- he's currently sitting 14th in points. Two points above Reddick. Can we mention how much of a season turnaround uh, LaJoy is having so far. I mean, I know some of this, uh, some of the racing kind of plays into his favor, but did Spire find something with that seven car or because obviously really Ty Dillon ain't doing jack squat in the 77. Corey LaJoy's talents are, are rising above what the team's capable, and we've seen that with two Atlanta finishes up in the top five. I think this time he uh, did his professional best. Uh, but, but I, you know, I digress. Uh, you know, I, I feel like uh, that team has gotten better over the last couple of seasons. Uh, but it's got to be it's got to be the Corey LaJoy effect, right? I mean, this kid is wheeling it. And he's, he's racing like he's got something to prove. Yeah, he. It seems like um, he wants to move up the ladder, um, especially in the Cup Series. But I think some of that's going to have to come with 
funding. Um, obviously, the more you perform, the more sponsorship dollars pretty much come in, and, and the more top teams will talk about you because, yeah. as we all know, um, you can't perform at a top level without at the top level without having some sort of money behind you. And right. LaJoy, unfortunately, has the talent but does not have the money. So he's got to um, make the best of what he's got so he can get more of that funding so he can move up the Cup Series ladder. It's great right. that he's having that turnaround um, with a smaller team. Now it's just a matter of who can give him that big break. Well, I tell you what, Taz, and here's here's something to lean on. I've seen the Celsius brand, and I'm a big fan of their drink. And I drink uh, two Celsiuses every day. I, I love them. They're they're awesome. Uh, I feel like they've helped me lose weight. Um, they kept me away from the sodas. Uh, this is a this company's been around since '05 or '06, but they have just I mean laid it on the branding here in the last year and a half. Of course, with AJ Allmendinger, your colleague racing, and now over with Spire Motorsports as well. Um, my deal is, Taz, is if Celsius were to put all this money that they got in all these other drivers into one outfit and one outlet, uh, Corey Ledoy could be, could probably be in a better position, uh, down the road if he could maybe get a long-term commitment from Spire and, and, you know, um, Spire may have their guy, right? I mean, you know, obviously they're a new company. They've just been bought out by PepsiCo. Uh, so there is a little bit of money behind the company. Uh, it would be great to see an A.J. Allmendinger or a Corey LaJoy carry this, you know, new energy drink that's not really new, but it's new to most folks, uh, to the next horizon, similar to what we've seen with Rowdy, what we've seen with Monster Energy, what we've seen with Red Bull. Um, this could very well be Celsius's turn. Not, not to make this a promo for Celsius, but, man, I'm telling you, that drink has gotten a lot more popular in the last year than what it ever was in the 15 years it's been around. Well, I'd never heard about it until last year. So, I mean, what does that tell you? Right, right. I mean, it does. And so what it tells you, Craig Moore, is uh, product identification, right? Now when you walk into a store, since you've seen Celsius on the side of these multiple race cars, you now you now know what the product is. You may not be interested in the product, and that's 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 your choice. I'm not sure if you are. Or you're not interested. Uh, I do know Mr. CJ Sports uh, is a big fan of Celsius, and uh, you know I, I think outside of that, you guys have uh, not not dipped off into that yet, right? But it's still cool. It's it's product identification. When you walk into that convenience store and you go back there to that cooler and you see Celsius and Black Rifle Coffee, and all you know you identify them as NASCAR sponsors, right? And that's 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 what we want to see. And Corey LaJoy could be beneficial to Celsius if they wanted to go up to that uh up to that higher level and actually put some big money behind uh one certain driver. Thoughts on that as we get, as we are now officially in the not so hot at Hotlanta uh hot topic, the first topic of the evening. And and I left this one open to really just discuss what happened here at Atlanta. So we're still on topic. Guys. Atlanta. Hot or not. I say no. But 
Um, one thing I do want to mention, I mentioned this in the chat, and I'm surprised nobody else caught this or nobody else, like, kind of voiced about it. Um, the new pit road um, layout, we all said this was going to uh, help in the sense with them laying it out uh, in turn three to get on the pit road. Um, this kind of hurt in a sense, if you really think about it, because if it was done wrong, let's say, for instance, and what I mean by that is in the middle of a green flag run, if a caution were to come out, you're down two laps. That can screw you. That can mess up your entire race because now you have to go from, oh, I'm on the lead lap in a good position to all of a sudden, shoot. Uh, shoot. And I did I did bring that up earlier about how it left, how it can leave you two laps down like that and how it's not fair. There has, there has and to be again. a way, and, and I understand what Chris was saying about how, you know, the difference between Atlanta and Talladega and the, the real estate that, that you have at Talladega to get slowed down, but there has to be a way to fix this so that it doesn't leave a driver two laps down just because they have to make a green flag stop. And normally you hear this sort of thing um, from short tracks because obviously during green flag laps um, with like a half mile track, you go in and you're basically two laps down and you can easily make that up. Um, whereas I feel like in any other track, um, you're basically like one lap down. So with Atlanta being as it is, it's, I mean, like you said, or like we've all said, it can screw you. And while it, they did this for a safer uh, pit road entry deal, they also need to figure out how can we make this so that um, if a caution comes out during green flag pit stop cycles, um, you're going to screw drivers this way. Yeah, I mean, where I, I, I see where y'all's concern is, but if it affects everybody the same way, and and it's literally a coin flip. If if was a fifth, we'd all be drunk. I'm not. I'm not really. NASCAR took that in consideration before they made the rule. There's no way that they implemented pit road to be in turn three and didn't think, hey, like this is like 55 miles an hour versus 160 or 170 up on the racetrack. This is going to be a big time lapse. Like they knew that going ahead of time, but as I said before, this is more. This is like a. This is a safety issue. This is. This is. You cannot have a guy on a pack race uh, where guys are within inches of each other's bumper and then just breaking off and in a quarter of a mile uh, being on pit road. I think that that's um, you know it's just not. It's not going to be possible now. Whether or not they move it closer than as far back into turn three. I do like that suggestion, Miss Lee. Um, maybe they can cut it in half the distance. Uh, it's still going to put the guys a lap down and probably furthermore, um, you know, but, hey, we went an entire race without that happening. So, um, 
you know, as I said, that that's I, I just don't see them changing it because of the safety aspect here. Uh, so, um, yeah, Did it, am I just spoiling the topics today? Uh, hot Atlanta, not so hot, right? It was pretty cold. Uh, you guys think it was a good race? All in all? I mean, I feel like it was a good race. Um, I would, for me personally, it wasn't, it wasn't bad. I mean, the strategy kind of made you think um, with how it ended up being with the new pit road uh, commitment deal, it kind of made you think of how would teams pit in a sense. Um, I also understood the some of the pit strategy late in the race where some guys tried to stay out um, being 40 laps in with their new tires. Uh, uh, Eric Amarola right? was one of them right. for a bright example. Uh, he, I mean, the first time it worked until another caution came out. Second time it worked until tires basically said, nope. And into the wall, he went with Kyle Larson, unfortunately. So, I mean, strategy kind of made... Uh, things a little interesting late in the race, yeah. but I mean, for the most part, it was kind of it was relatively quiet until I would say about ten laps left in each stage. Uh, then, well, the one thing that um, I mean, this is kind of normal, but I feel like Atlanta was more yeah. of a single file racing deal versus what we would see at like Talladega or Daytona, which was double file. Um, one thing that I noticed with Atlanta too, with the single file racing is that some guys were trying to get a second line going, but a lot of people were kind of, um, either they were playing it safe and trying not to bring out, trying not to uh, risk so many cautions like the Saturday races had. Or there just wasn't enough there to kind of make a second lane until late in the race or late in the stage. I think that I think that a lot of it had had to do with um, guys wanting to play it safe and not have the caution fest that Saturday was. And also, you know, yeah, the truck, the the track was more rubbered up than it was Saturday, obviously, but which lanes had more rubber? You know, that was, that was, I think, another factor that played into it, too. I mean, I, I, thought I'd seen a lot of double file racing. What I didn't see was three wide racing. Um, I did see a, a top line that seemed to work better than the bottom line and seemed to stay more formed uh, than, than the bottom line uh, through most so, of the race. Um, yeah, but, I was say, but if guys... Because, 
because the bottom line came in towards the late part of the race uh, in stage three because that's where, yeah, you, you mentioned the top line was basically the place to be, but there was, but um, stage three at one point, uh, the bottom line was actually the place to be um, unless you had no momentum side on you for the high side uh, or you had the longer, the longer train, I'll say. But the bottom side was was just not there, and it could be the rubber part, um, or it just could be the safe deal. But yeah, the bottom side of the track towards uh, in stage three was starting to really kick in because we saw um, how much of a run Harvick and Chastain and those guys had when they had the bottom starting to roll uh, before the unfortunate accident where how the air between Chastain and Harvick's car kind of uh, messed things up and Harvick went for the spin roo and caused, and caused the big one. Yeah. So we had uh, 13 different leaders, uh, 20 different lead changes. Um the the leaders, Cody Ware actually led a lap. <laughs> Believe it or not, guys. Kevin Harvick. Where's uh, Cody? Austin Sender, Chris Busher, Ryan Blaney, Ross Chastain, Christopher Bell, Ricky Stenhouse, Kyle Bush, Denny Hamlin, Eric Amarillo, Brett Keselowski, and Joey Logano. Uh, Joey Logano led the most laps, 140. Brett Keselowski led the, led the second most. Uh, with 47, and Eric Amarillo on that uh, crazy, that double-A battery call. I, I don't know, man. That might that might have been, for the second week in a row, the most controversial call. Uh, considering what tire issues we had last year as we were still trying to get the car figured out, air pressure and whatnot, my question would be, after that wreck where the tires examined, and was it concluded that he wore the rubber off of it and didn't actually blow out a tire? I don't know if we ever got that actual uh, confirmation uh, from that particular incident. So, um, but uh, I've got a cumulative report here. So we had five cautions for 34 laps, a lot different uh, than uh, than, of course, the first. Uh, the first race. Uh, Double Wallace brought out the first incident, if you guys remember that. Uh, it probably was not a factor there, I don't think, for the rest of the race. Um, but uh, anybody else got anything for Hot Atlanta? Not so hot Atlanta. I mean, I think it's great that, uh, you know, first of all, Christian Eckes, I believe, was the Truck Series winner. Um, who won the Xfinity race, guys? I do when I'm watching these races. Hill. Austin, Austin Hill, Hill won the Xfinity right. race. Oh, of course, the, the 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 super speedway magician. I mean, you know, the guy's amazing. There was somebody else who who could have won the race. I think he finished second. I'm trying to think of who it is. You never remember who finished second. It's a perfect example of it. Uh, but Austin Hill did make a late race pass that won him this race. But uh, yeah, I mean that guy. He's a he's a super speedway magician, which brings up a, a hot topic that we're going to have uh, for the final hot topic of the night. Uh, but uh, we'll uh, we'll move on to the next 
topic. Of course, Josh Williams goes wild. Now, Josh Williams has been suspended by NASCAR for one race coming up the Coda race. It was funny. I listened to Door Bumper Clear, and he was actually uh, there was actually a promo at Coda, $92 for a ticket. Uh, and I think it was uh, uh, a promo for Josh Williams. So Josh Williams is not going to be at his own promo. <laughs> um, uh, but interesting that he parked it on the front stretch by the flag stand. I know you guys have been biting at the bit uh, to get your take on what you've seen or what you heard about with the Josh Williams incident. And we'll open with you, Craig. All right. So I said this earlier, they told him where to park. They told him to park the car. They didn't tell him where to park it. So he parked it in the first spot he could think of, which was on the start finish line. Everybody's making a big deal of it, calling him, uh, from what I read, calling him a hero. And he, he's a, he's a uh, trendsetter or whatever, however you want to say it. But I'm going to defend, uh, I'm going to f- defend, I think, who is, Probably one of the most racist men in the NASCAR garage, and that would be Bubba Wallace. If Bubba did that, man, people would be calling for his head. So, kind of like six of one, half dozen of the other, we applaud Josh Williams for his for his uh, stand in NASCAR. But if it was Bubba Wallace that did that, I don't think a one race suspension was. Uh, I think that was a little bit overkill, provided that they didn't suspend Denny Hamlin for intentionally wrecking Ross Chastain the week before. They docked him 25 owner points and got him $50,000. He could pay that from his piggy bank. But um, I don't think, I don't necessarily think the uh, punishment fits the crime, if you will. It's funny you mentioned that, Craig, because I was watching um, Eric Easteb on YouTube earlier and he was talking about this uh, this penalty he and this was he was talking about this before the news came out of Josh Williams what NASCAR did and he was saying um, if NASCAR was going to do anything uh, probably a fine nothing more because he felt like uh, NASCAR would be overreacting at that point but um, he was saying that a fine would be it because when it came to uh, shoot, I'm trying to remember what race it was that he said there was an incident that happened in the past with Chase Elliott where he got into like an accident or something and his bumper was like flying all over the place but still attached to the car um, and with something like that that could be dangerous uh, in any sort of racing incident if a bumper were to come flying off and into somebody's, you know, windshield and whatnot and cause a huge wreck, um, NASCAR never threw a black flag for that one. So, and they, and he was trying to see like, why would, you know, they throw a black flag, um, on this deal. And he felt like if NASCAR is going to do any sort of suspension, a fine would be it, but anything more would be overreaction. So with that being said, do you guys feel like this NASCAR kind of overreacted in this case from what, but from what I'm hearing with Craig, it sounds like NASCAR did overreact. Um, Absolutely. 
I was I mean, like that the overreacted too. I just I think like they I'm wanted to make an example out of them. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. And exactly. Like I said, I'm trying to remember what race this was. Um, because what, like do said, do? Each... what do you do if you're NASCAR? Really? Do you allow somebody to stop it? Because let's, 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 for one minute, be reminded that there are people that work on the back side of this, and they're in that tower, and they're the they're they're the watchtower. They're the ones that are watching what's going on here. And, and I'm playing devil's advocate because I've been in this situation, right? I mean, I've been I've, I've been in the room. I've been in the war room when something like this happens. You have to create law and order. And so when you have somebody who stages up your show. And what mostly happens at a dirt track, and I think you guys can, can – yeah, I've probably seen this before. Driver stops up at the flag stand, gets out of his car, throws the double birds to the flagman, probably does it to the crowd too when they boo him and everything else. And what does that guy wind up doing? He winds up holding up the show, right? And so what do we always hear in the show? Well, too many cautions. The, the race it was just too long. When mothers and kids start grabbing their infants and going out, at the, you know, headed for the gates at 10:30 at night, you already know what what the deal is, and you're going to get blamed for it. So you have to have law and order, right? You have to say, hey, wait a minute, we don't need any other drivers doing pulling this stunt every weekend. It was a it was a rule broken. I didn't quite get what rule that was. Uh, something about the bondo. If it doesn't, you know, and so he was. It was justifiable for him to be parked, but I think we all agree that he was a victim of circumstance, just as you said, Taz Taylor, as you were talking about Chase Elliott riding through, I believe it was Coda, with a bat with his uh, 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 bumper about to come off, and NASCAR never did anything about it, right? And so I, 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 I believe that NASCAR overreacted but when you've been in those predicaments and you've been on the other side of that glass, you really have to – you really do understand why that call was made. And, and I think that Josh Williams knew that he was going to get that one-race suspension, if not more. Uh, and, and he was – at least he was humble about it. He didn't give the flagman the bird. He knew the flagman and actually gave him a wave if that, if that had been misinterpreted or – um, covered falsely. I, I'm not sure if that has been here or anything like that, but I did hear that uh, there had to be a correction made that he gave the peace sign to uh, the. Flag. Yeah, I'm looking at the picture, and it definitely looks like a peace sign. Yes, yeah, it I was. compared it to the Antonio Brown sign off. I mean, <laughs> you know, and and Antonio Brown caught a lot of flag for how uh, he peaced out to everybody. So, uh, <laughs> you know. Oh, how about that for thought? Uh, Miss Lee, I hear, I hear you chime in. Come on. All right. So, Josh Williams just showed himself to be a man of the people. He was told to park it, so he parked it. And, yeah, he gave the peace sign to the flagger. He waved to the fans. He did his heart and all of that. And he is a brilliant marketer. 
because what he is doing now is he is selling official Parkit T-shirts, and all of the proceeds go to supporting the organizations of his hospital tour that he does, that he does with no fanfare, no uh, media presence. So my hat's off to Josh Williams. I loved it. I thought it was perfect, and he is parlaying it into benefiting his his foundation. So more power to him. And he's got a mullet, so that just makes him cool. (laughs) Exactly. I think these drivers realize what happened with the Brandon Brown incident and – realized how to capitalize and how what not to the do's and don'ts of this instant fame media. Um, because, you know, we may have known who Josh Williams was before Saturday. 90% of the NASCAR fans had no idea this guy even existed. Exactly. And, and, and like you said, like you said, somebody just said they, that the mullet, right? Nobody's going to forget the mullet guy. There's like 19 drivers in the NASCAR garage that have mullets. Now Josh Williams is the guy that everybody recognizes as a mullet. So, so, so when other drivers are seeing in the near future, they're oh look, this is Josh Josh Williams mullet. <laughs> I can I would like to forget the Ricky Stenhouse mullet days. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you have to remind us? Because <laughs> that's your job. Honestly, Ryan Blaney looks better with a mullet than he does all try clean cut densities. Um, oh come on! What about Noah Gregson? Hey, and Corey LaJoy has a mullet as well. Wow! All these mulleteers. Wow. Huh? What it was? Well, some like, bad comes up, and they always come back around. They got kicked should out of the barbershop in 2020, and they never went back. <laughs> should should have the NASCAR Mullet Cup Series. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it should be. <laughs> All right. What how, do you race, you how, do you race in, how do you race in this series? You have to have a mullet. If you don't have a mullet, mm-hmm. see you later. Mullet approved. Um. Greg, you got anything to add to it? Josh Williams goes wild. And no, I, I said what I said. I think it's fine. It's Denny bullshit. Hamlin. Yeah. Denny Hamlin's paying his fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Denny can uh, pay his uh, suspension. Yeah. yeah. Hamlin will pay, his, will pay his fine. <laughs> I wonder if that have. If, I want to see that happen. I want to see the check. Yeah, he, said, he said he was paying the fine. Right, but I want to see his signature on the check. Yeah, I want to see the check. It's not I'm sure NASCAR is. Yeah, I mean, we can yeah, sit here and cash this out. No. 
I think you should pay Josh Barry. I think you should pay Josh Williams fine. Hey Josh, I'll pay this for you. You got bigger balls than I got. Well, we listened to his podcast as well, and Demi Hamlin did not have much to say about appealing to the fans. <laughs> I mean, he got overshadowed, honestly, with what happened with Josh Williams, but uh, which kind of sucks because I know he was doing all this for marketing anyway, right? Um, but uh, he says that he will wait and speak after the appeal. Uh, he felt like he was fined for the wrong reasons, and uh, he will appeal it. So after first saying that he was only going to appeal to the fans, he later changed up and said that he would appeal uh, the suspension. Uh, I mean, the uh, the fine. Yeah, the fine. My bad, y'all. Um, all right, so I guess we go into the next topic. Uh, I've got it. Four drivers work <laughs> better together. Craig, this has been a very big topic for you all year long. Um, for four straight weeks, uh, we had to put in that Chevy yeah. was still winning. Yeah, Ford finally figured yeah. it out. Ford finally got a win. Good for them. Well, I think their strength in numbers, and I think they figured it out. Now, do they keep that momentum going in Dakota, or are we going to be on to the Toyota teams finally get their head out of their ass? We're going to talk about that later. But I'm glad to see Ford is. I'm glad to see Ford has figured out their issues at least for one week. I hope for them that they continue to figure out their issues, and become a serious contender in the world of NASCAR this year. Because if not, I mean, Chevy's obviously leading the manufacturer's title title standing, but I I think Fords will be, uh, I think Fords are going to start making some noise now going forward. Yeah, Ford, Ford is, uh, it seems like when Ford, we all know how Ford is when they're red hot. And it seems like when they work together, they're a force to be, I, I kind of want to go a little bit bigger than a force to be reckoned with because, um, We've all seen at in the past with Daytona and Talladega, and now we can say with Atlanta this past weekend, with the Fords teaming up to run together, it's almost like um, Team USA trying to go, Team USA or any other team going up against uh, Soviet Russia back in the back in the day. If you guys know what I'm talking about. With the miracle and ice, yeah, it's base. It's kind of basically like that. Like Ford just comes in with uh, heavy artillery ready to go, um, hard to knock them down. 
And if you find cracks in their system, then they start to crumble. And obviously we saw that um, before this race that Chevy has won uh, the last like four or five uh, super speedway style races, as Mike Joy mentioned on the broadcast. Um, but if Ford can get on the same page, oh boy, that's what it feels like to me. And as I mentioned earlier, they're just a strong force once they start working together. And obviously, um, if they can figure things out within the next uh, couple races in the in the stretch, um, you know for dang sure they're going to be hard to crack down until um, until Chevy or Toyota uh, breaks through, and then Ford, you know, may struggle a bit. But who gave Joey Logano that final push to give him the win? <laughs> Christopher Bell. The Toyota <laughs> of Christopher Bell. Yeah, yeah. I was that was not a push. That was a that, that was a shove. <laughs> it's called move move it or lose it. I swear he probably gave the guy concussions. <laughs> Joey Joey needed to have his head looked at after that. That was a that was a rear impact collision. Um, he knocked he, he he knocked him pretty hard, and let me tell you, uh, you know that's the win. That's how what sealed the win for uh, uh, for Joey as well. That that particular bump because it it put a surge into that twenty two, and because uh, you know, last was not able to wheel it back. There. Even Brad admitted he was not expecting Bell to push Joey like that. Right. I'll be honest with you. You know, the reason why I'm more surprised about this topic uh, is because Ford on Ford hate crime has been going on for 20 years. <laughs> and it, it hasn't gotten any easier with Penske because Penske is so above everybody else. Um, and, you know, it was okay when Stuart Haas was up there battling with Penske. Uh, but since the fall off uh, of Stuart Haas and, and of course, Roush Fenway Racing, RFK now, um, they've been they've both been kind of treated like the redheaded stepchild of the bunch. And uh, you know, once again, you know, Joey was able. Brad Keselowski was there, but Joey was able to still deal. When you go back and look at stat sheets, though, Joey led 140 laps. Um, you know, it's no surprise. Like that guy, so he's really good at what he does. Um, but you know. Uh, the Fords work work well together at restrictor plate super speedway races such as Talladega and Daytona. Outside of those racetracks, you don't see you don't see very much help uh, between the two no, sides of three companies um, at all. And so, you know, surprise, surprise. As I said, uh, you know, Penske's able to outduel the other Ford camps and pick up the win. I think maybe Kevin Harvick had it in the bag until he got wrecked. And that's an issue where I'm not sure if the air got taken off of him or what. Uh, But we've seen several times and at this racetrack last year where cars just broke free. Christopher Bell in in final qualifying, right? He just broke free, right? And and he didn't have any cars around him. So is it the car breaking free or is it it an aero issue? Uh, when you get some air pulled off the rear of your spoiler or something to that effect, I, I, you know, I, I think those are 
answers that have yet to be uh, or questions that have yet to be answered. Ms. Lee? Well, I, you know, I, I definitely, it was definitely an arrow thing between Chastain and, and Harvick. You go back, you look at the replays, there's no doubt about it. It, it was an arrow thing. So that answers your question right there. Right. Right. It's a, it's a, yeah, I mean, he either pushed the air off of him and or uh, Harvick just lost it going in the corner. I, it was so close, I feel like he, you know, we used to see that back in the day a little bit too much. Uh, uh, the car would get up in that pocket and you would see the, the rear of the car loosen up and go up towards the wall. Uh, that's not something that we've typically seen with this new race car. I'm still trying to figure this new race car up. Uh, uh, something that was brought to my attention or that I that I kind of just have noticed uh, over the last year is the front wheels have not been locking up, similar to what the Xfinity cars and the trucks do uh, in certain situations. And, you know, smoking the, the left front, you know. Um, I haven't seen that a lot out of this car uh, since its inception, I'm not sure if you know if I'm missing something or what, but uh, you know what, it's not pushing the front nose is not pushing like a dump truck. If that if that's any more clarity of uh, what what I'm actually saying here, so um, maybe it's uh, just the way the car is because of the three link, and uh, you know I'm not sure. I I wish this, these are those times I wish I had Steve Billmeyer here because uh, he could explain to us a lot better on what these parts on this new car do and, and the effects and causes of them. So uh, shout out to my old buddy, my old crew chief, uh, Mr. Steve Billmeyer from Racing with Big Sweat. Um, so Ford, uh, Ford on Ford, Ford's, Ford's did good. Uh, will it last? I think that's the question um, that's yet to be answered. Um, so uh, we got one more real quick that we've got to get to on the hot topic side. Josh Berry and Austin Hill, I think this has been mentioned already, but I wasn't sure if it was mentioned on the show. We've basically thought over the last month or so that silly season 2024 is irrelevant, right? Because all these guys have locked up their long-term deals and stuff. I think the only ones that are hanging in lose, like Jimmy Hamlin, who if he doesn't go back to Joe Gibbs, would definitely see him in his own equipment. Uh, so he wouldn't necessarily be a free agent. And I believe Eric, uh, I even think, or Martin Trucks Jr., I'm sorry. Outside of those two drivers, I believe everybody else is pretty much sewed up. Well, along comes Josh Berry and Austin Hill, guys. And Austin Hill, I believe, has already been promised a ride at RCR next year, right? Uh, can somebody uh, confirm that, Ms. Lee? Is that correct? Uh, Craig? Kaz, somebody correct me here. Is, is Austin Hill already signed for RCR in 2024 uh, in the Cup Series side? Because I believe for Tyler Reddick, that was supposed to be the replacement driver was Austin Hill, and, and I'm not sure with uh, with Kyle Busch being brought along because they, they would definitely have to expand the three charters and or Mustache Boy would have to uh, go back to uh, – making late-night videos on OnlyFans. So, um, with his, uh, well, I'm not going to get too much into that. Uh, but, uh, so, yeah, that's where we are. Um, uh, is Austin Hill uh, a viable Silly Season candidate? And, for sure, Josh Berry, all eyes on him. I did name some other names, Cole Custer and John Hunter Nemechek. 
I mean, it looks like the Xfinity series is pretty solid. You know, I'm not sure if there's room in the Cup garage. Uh, you guys' thoughts on it? Let's start with you, Tess. I was trying to look that up. I don't see anything that he was promised a full-time cup ride in 2024 as of right now. Um, I know his goal is to make cup teams alert of him. I think with how things are looking at the moment, um, I don't see Josh Berry and Austin Hill uh, moving up, as you mentioned, because a lot of guys are basically locked in, uh, minus obviously Harvick. Uh, the question around Truex, those are probably the only two uh, floaters at the moment. But and we can also put the question mark around Eric Almarola too. So there's really three. But no, he signed. Um, he signed. He's got a two-year. He's got a two-year deal, dude. Oh, yeah, okay. he didn't sign a one year. Yeah, he signed a two year deal. So he, he's locked All right, in. So I missed dude. that one. All right, so, um, so really, it's hard to move them up. And as I mentioned uh, when we were talking about this uh, the other day, Austin Hill, unless RCR expands the Cup program to three cars, um, I feel like he's at a standstill. And with Josh Berry. I feel like personally to me, that's that's a good point to me with Josh Berry. I feel like he could definitely benefit at least one more year in Xfinity, but knowing junior being how Josh Berry is his guy. And when I say that, I mean like, yeah, Noah Gregson was his top guy last year. Uh, for junior motorsports. But Noah Gregson ended up going to uh, Petty GMS, which is now Legacy Motor Club. That wasn't really – Gregson was not junior's guy. As I, junior, How I define junior's guy is Dale Jr. brought the guy in and is going to do anything he can to help that driver and keep him in close ties. So I feel like with Josh Berry. Examples real quick. Examples real quick if I can share this, okay, because I know exactly where you're at. Go ahead, okay. quick. Go ahead, quick. Shane, Shane, Shane Huffman, Brad Keselowski, Kelly Byers. Um, uh, uh, what's the kid, the Cole Witt fella? He's still within the junior uh, motorsports organization. So, yeah, uh, Josh Berry, uh, he, this guy's been with the organization for 12 years. Go ahead. So I would feel, as I was saying, I feel like with Josh Berry being Dale Jr.'s guy, I would think that Dale Jr. is going to do anything he can unless Josh Berry gets one heck of a deal struck uh, to him and Dale Jr. is going to have to say, I would, take a, I would take that offer. But I honestly think Josh Berry is going to stick somewhere with Junior Motorsports and Hendrick Motorsports. Um, unless Hendrick uh, gets like a satellite team or Junior uh, runs a cup team, I don't I see Josh Berry. Say, don't don't forget about the rumors of of Junior Motorsports moving up to Cup. Yeah, I don't see Josh Berry leaving any sort of connection with Junior Motorsports. 
being that Josh Berry was with Junior Motorsports through the late model program for he, for the last number of years. And I would not be surprised if we see Carson Quaffle be the same way. Wow, that's a bold statement. Well, I only say I like that, that because I like that. I I only say that because with Josh Berry um, not being as active in the late model racing as he has been the last few years um, before racing Xfinity, Junior needed a top guy, and it seems like right now Carson Quaffle is that guy. And if Junior can get him developed right. Carson Quaffle will probably come through the Junior Motorsports, Hendrick Motorsports program, and if things line up right, he could be um, one of these younger generation drivers that replace the guys that are sitting in Hendrick right now when the when the years come up through. It just feels like Carson Quaffle's been around for a long time, right? Um, just because, I mean, the kid's been racing since he was like 12 or 13 years old. Um, I believe he was in the same uh, uh, team development team as Hannah Newhouse, correct, Miss Lee? Weren't they teammates? I'm not 100% sure on that one. Maybe that was Todd Gillian. Maybe that was Todd Gillian. I know it was one of the – It of might have been Todd, row. yeah. Yeah, it may have been Todd Gillian. But uh, I know it was one of the former front row motorsports uh, drivers. Also, both drivers raced for Robert Yates Racing, which is kind of weird about Travis Kavapel and David Gillian. They are kind of tied at the hip. Um, okay, so that's uh, anybody else got anything with that, Craig? No, I don't. I don't have any potential free agents. I think Josh Berry's going I don't to have any somewhere problems. big. I think uh, I think uh, Austin Hill, um, RCR would be crazy. Like this guy has super damn good talent. Like we three or four years ago, we didn't even know who the heck Austin Hill was. Uh, then he shows up in some I think young motorsports or something, uh, and, and goes out and wins a truck series race. Uh, yeah, young motorsports and move. Up. Yeah, young motorsports and moved up. No. Because he was with Young Motorsports, and he won at Daytona with Hattori Racing um, with that 16 truck. And then he spent with Hattori, and then uh, he left Toyota because there was not much room for Toyota at the time uh, in terms of the whole development deal. And he said, I'll go where somebody's going to take me, and RCR took him in. And has done a hell of a job. Him and Sheldon Creed both. Like I, I'm impressed with Sheldon Creed. I think he's under the radar, uh, but uh, definitely uh, he's developing in the right way. And Brandon Jones, guy, man, you're gonna forever be. You are the next Justin Allgaier. I just don't see Brandon Jones ever making it through that series. All right, well, that's our hot topics. We're going about seven minutes overboard here, so we're going to have to run through the black flag, take a flag, and then we will get to a cool little segment we've got uh, planned here tonight. Uh, we'll have to make it quick, but uh, it's going to be who said it. That's right, I said who said it. Uh, I will read the quote, and y'all will tell me which driver or person said it. Uh, tonight we're going to do Kyle Larson. 
uh, versus Kyle Busch. And I, I think I think I got you, know, you guys on a couple of these. I really do. Like I'm, I'm uh, I was hesitant on letting you guys know so that y'all wouldn't cheat. So hopefully y'all didn't go and cheat. But let's do black flag, check a flag real quick. That's what we call a radio tease there. Craig Moore, you know a little bit about a radio tease, don't you, my friend? Yeah, buddy. Yeah, buddy. All right. All right. Just making sure you hadn't nodded off to sleep yet. Uh, Kimmy Wright no, not yet. excited to return uh, to NASCAR Cup Series racing at Coda. Black flag, checker flag, what's your thoughts? Uh, pass that. Um, nice to see Kimi Raikkonen getting another shot. So I would say checker flag, uh, mean that he's a F1 driver, kind of bring in. I would say, honestly, to me, I see it as a checker flag because he brings in another form of motorsports fans to NASCAR. Um, exactly. It's also... This also is a checker flag in the sense for Trackhouse because it helps with their Project 91 race team, um, especially if they're considering, especially if they are really considering um, expanding to three cars full time. And that was a rumor flying around last year at one point too. So I see this as a double checker flag, honestly. You know, that's interesting you say that, Taz. But I get off subject real quick, man. There are a lot of capable teams and not enough charters. Some of these uh, some of these lower-tier teams, they're going to just have to forfeit their charters, I believe. NASCAR's going to have to come in and take charge. You've got too many freaking teams that want to expand, but they, they're they not going to pay that $20 million or $30 million for a charter. But we'll, we'll stick to the subject. Uh, Miss Lee. Kimmy Raikkonen excited to return to NASCAR Cup racing at Coda. You know, it used to be fun when you had the road course ringers come in. Uh, the ringers. And, you know, and now you've got these guys from Formula One and Indy and whatnot. And, you know, yeah, it's it's nice to see them coming in and maybe bringing – exposing their fan base to NASCAR racing, and, and that's a good thing. But mm-hmm. what do they ever do? Most of them end up wrecking out, or they finish in the, you know, in the, in the 30s. So I'm, I'm, I'm wishy-washy on this, but I'm going to give it a checkered flag. Okay. I mean, you know, Stetson Bennett? No, that's not the name of the guy. That's that quarterback from Georgia. Uh, there's another Formula One guy that's going to be there, along with Connor Daly and a couple more. Uh, Craig Moore, I know you're chomping at the bit. Come on. What do you think? Kimi Raikkonen, excited you know, to retire the NASCAR Cup racing at Coda. I don't believe it. You know, I look at it like this. Put him on an oval course. Let's see what he can do. Um, right. I, I, I I agree with Miss Lee. I'm tired of the road course ringers. I thought we were done with them. Uh, obviously, we're not. Put him on a road course. Let's see what he can do. It's, you know, put him on a, a two-mile intermediate. 
Or, yeah, Oval, I'm sorry, Oval. Put him on an Oval. Let's see what he can do. Um, how well will he do? Uh, he's going to come in. He's probably going to finish 35th. He's probably going to cause an accident, you know, because, again, he only runs one race a year. Uh, is Trackhouse yeah. going to give the 91 car the better? What's that? Yeah. No, I'm sorry. I, I had my phone. Sorry. Is going to give Trackhouse going to give him the good equipment? I think not. They're going to give it to Suarez and, and Chastain. But, you know, they're going to give him a good showing for a little while, and then he's going to wreck out. Why? Because he doesn't drive all the time. He doesn't know the car. I don't care how much how much simulation you can do. It doesn't. It doesn't fit for the for the real world. Well, I, I'm with you, Craig. I'm 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 kind of with you, Craig. Because one thing that I want to say: these other names you really don't know. Like Connor Daly, you kind of know him. There's another. There's a guy driving for the Rick Ware Racing, and I can't think of who that is right now. Um, uh, Jimmy Johnson will be there um, in the 84 machine. Um, but, but the, the problem with Kimi Raikkonen and the issue that I have with him is he's not going to be, if he wrecks out Craig Moore, he's not going to be a positive driver, right? He's not going to come on. He's not going to say, Hey man, I appreciate the opportunity that track house gave me. Uh, I'm not familiar with these race cars. And I feel like we've had a great effort put forth today. Unfortunately, things just didn't work out. That's not the interview you're going to get from Kimi Räikkönen. You know why? No, because you he's won't. He's a big-headed freaking superstar. So Kimi's uh, going to yeah. come out and go, well, the car was fucking trash. Sorry about the F word. The car was trash. The, uh, the, it was a miscommunication. It was all blah, blah, blah. And he may not say that to the camera, but I'm sure that that's what he will go off and say. So we can only hope that Kimmy actually does do really well because it's definitely not going to be Kimmy's fault if he doesn't do well. And I think that that's the, that's the negative effect that you have when you're bringing in exactly. a superstar caliber type of driver like Kimmy Raikkonen for a one-race deal. I'm with you, Craig. Put that SO gun on a, on a freaking oval. And then we talk about how well Kimi Raikkonen did or didn't do, right? Because this is this is a sandbox that he's used to. But I guarantee you, if he doesn't have a good finish, it's not going to be his fault. So I'm glad I'm getting some agreeing there. I have to throw a black flag uh, to Kimi Raikkonen. It's not that I'm tired of seeing uh, road ringers. That's, that's nowhere near. But what I do want to see is some uh, accountability given. And, and hey, you know, it, it may open the door. He may he may prove me wrong. He may have a great run and, and praise the car and all that, but just knowing Kimmy and knowing how he is and knowing following this guy's career throughout the last 15, 20 years, uh, that's just not going to be the Kimmy that we get. He's going to wreck out. He's going to finish 35th, and he's going to get on there and talk about how horrible the car drove. Uh, and that's yep. not something that we want the stigma to happen because this car was developed with the idea – of bringing these type of drivers from around the world and being able to put them into uh, the top level stock car after going through the ranks of the other stock cars. Um, so, you know, uh, Kimmy, Kimmy did have a short stint in the uh, truck series. I think a couple of races, nothing big. 
So let's go to our next black flag, checker flag. Uh, Keselowski finally seeing results from long rebuild at RFK. This has taken a long time. I mean, it's basically a gutter. Uh, I do want to open this with myself. I want to give a checker flag to, to, to this article and to, to Keselowski. I believe uh, I read an article earlier today as I was doing my homework that uh, Keselowski actually praised the NASCAR fine and penalty from last year because he said that in itself motivated the team and changed the, changed the way that the team had done business beforehand by realizing how difficult that one penalty created for the entire organization. So it basically put Roush Fenway, uh, Keselowski racing on a whole new pinnacle of understanding that we don't mess around with this car, and they have become a better organization by doing that. I give the checkered flag. I can't wait to hear what you guys have to think about it. Uh, let's start with you, Craig. I say checkered flag. I'm glad. I'm glad that the luck over there at Roush Kislowski Racing has finally turned around. I, I really hope that it's it's forward forward momentum for them. Uh, they got the monkey off their back, and kudos to Brad just for saying that in the article. Um, a lot of team owners would have complained, and you know NASCAR find us unfairly, and yada yada yada. Instead, he took it as a learning experience, and it made them better. And you've seen the improvements that they've made towards the end of the year, so you knew it was only a matter of time before they actually pulled off the win this year, or pulled off a good finish, I'd say. Right, right. And they've been competitive. I believe they're in 12th or something like that in points right now. So definitely night and day between this year and last year. And this was the race where it all came in glue for Keselowski uh, last year. Miss Lee. Uh, what are your thoughts on that article and RFK, the state of RFK? Okay. Well, let's ask a question first. Okay. Who does Jack Roush have to leave his legacy to? Right. He does have a son uh, who was a former drag racer, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and and Roush, uh, I believe, uh, owns or used to own a trucking company. I'm not sure about that. I'll have to get back to you on that. Uh, but that is a good question. And I believe, similar to Penske, uh, Roush has an exit plan. And I think that that exit plan has a lot to do with Brad Keselowski. Like, we well, believe at one point in time thought Carl Edwards was going to you know, be the son of Roush, you know, and kind of like Gordon was of, of Rick Hendrick. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but with Keselowski's monetary commitment and not just the driving the car, but the business side as well. We've heard about the Jimmy Johnson team that's come into Legacy Motorsports Club. Obviously, Brad Keselowski's team is kind of the one that kind of serves this idea for what's going on over there, right? Because if it's working over here, going to work over there and so they're you know Keselowski was able to bring in a whole nother team of people uh that looked into an organization that had been failing up until then and after assessments 
uh, hopefully these guys have got it figured out and we are moving in the right direction for RFK because it's hard to believe that it wasn't 10 to 12 years ago this was a top caliber organization who not just had uh, multiple wins but multiple drivers with multiple wins and contentions for championships. I mean, literally the fall from grace at Roush Racing and Roush Fenway Racing and now Roush Fenway Kozlowski Racing, and it has been a hell of a fall and a very interesting climb back to grace. Remember, guys, this kind of started with Matt Kenseth uh, taking the wheel uh, out of semi-retirement uh, a few years ago before they put in Ryan Newman as the full-time driver of the six machine. So um, Roush was definitely reaching out, Miss Lee, back to your point. Uh, Roush was definitely reaching out to find somebody who could carry the reins of this organization. I believe they found that guy with, uh, with, with, with Fred Kozlowski. Uh, Black Tiger, exactly. checker flag. Oh, I say checker flag, definitely. And right. I hope that it works out in in that manner for Brad, because obviously he's he's made that commitment. He's looking at that trajectory, and so hopefully it keeps on going, and they they keep improving, and they prove the haters wrong. I think all of us were kind of like taken back by the idea of Keselowski buying RFK, and I feel like that uh, we were more than more than un, unskeptical. We were skeptical that the Tony Stewart effect was going to happen here, and it hasn't happened quite yet with what Stewart was able to bring to Gene Hall, but I believe that we're on that path, and, and I think it starts with Chris Buescher and Fred Keselowski has said from day one that's his first interest into making the team successful. The future of Roush Fenway Kislowski Racing falls into Chris Busher. So to see uh, him running well as well is uh, is definitely um, yeah, it's definitely. Uh, so um, all right, uh, Taz. Yeah, you're the last one on this one. All right, I'm going to try to keep my opinion uh, a little short here. Um, Checker flag for RFK. It seems like the Brad's. Uh, learning something as an owner um, and definitely he's definitely helping the organization trying to get back to its relevancy and also uh, helping Chris Busher propel uh, his career too and I will kind of go a little bit into detail on what I mean by that uh, when we get into race preview shortly Yeah, okay, all right, so that was, that, I'm sorry, I, was, I thought you were going somewhere with that. Uh, let's move ahead on our timeline because I do want to get into Kyle uh, Larson versus Kyle Bush quotes. I think that this is going to be fun, and I don't want to miss out on having a laughing moment with my friends on this wonderful Tuesday night uh, versus trying to be all serious with all these topics and stuff. So we're going to skip over the Hamlin Toyotas need more of everything to get better, and we're going to skip over we made sure that our parts fit the hood and the hood closed and did all the stuff it needed to do by checking us. Because I believe that we would give that a black flag for sure 
because Chad Canals is just trying to cover up that Hendrick cheats all the dang time, and they finally got caught. I'll pull out my, my inner Chaz Thompson there. Several drive cup drivers running extra races at Coda. Uh, William Byron, Eric Amarola, Ross Chastain, Kyle Busch. Here we go. We're into a, you know, we're at one of those tracks where drivers feel like they need the added experience or practice uh, being behind the wheel. I give it a black flag. I don't want to see cup drivers being road course ringers in the smaller series. So there's my black flag. Let's hear yours, Miss Lee. Yeah, I'm giving it a black flag, too, because there's too many of them that are racing in the lower series, period. Right, right. All right. Yes. Black flag. Black flag. Black flag. Black flag. Being that, as you guys have mentioned, too many of them trying to be road course ringers in the lower series. And... Uh, taking advantage of the extra seat time because we all know they're all going to do the same thing when we hit the Bristol in a couple of weeks for the dirt race. Craig Moore, can you consider a checker flag for Byron and Amarola and Kyle Busch and Ross Chastain being able to drop down into the lower series and get that needed extra practice for the cup race on Sunday? Can you find it in your heart to give them a checker flag because you like Ross Chastain and William Byron so butter much, much? I think we lost Craig. Well, oh. we probably did. Oh, he's yeah, I he's think back. I heard him yawn. Oh, he's back? There's... Do we have him back? Somebody get him plugged in. Somebody get him plugged in. Let's go. Let's go. He, I'm ever doing this segment. It's called, he said it. The reason why you got to say it like that is because it's like, oh, dang. It just ain't right if you don't say it like that. So this is a segment called, who said it? And I'm going to read off some quotes, and I'm going to have you guys tell me, uh, who the hell said it, whether it uh, uh, was Kyle Busch or Kyle Larson. So they're going to go head-to-head. Um, racing is work, so that's not a hobby. Who said it? Kyle Busch Kyle Larson? Bush. Larson. Craig, is he back on? Um, I don't know if he's back on, but he keeps on popping in the chat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it was Kyle Bush that said that quote. Uh, very good, Miss Lee. Very good, Miss Lee. Can we get Craig in there? Somebody, can somebody click over into the studio and get him back on? Is he, is he dropped out? Uh, because I mean, this was supposed to be all hands on deck. He said he can hear us. Oh, okay. Um, I love winning, and I hate losing. Kyle Busch or Kyle Larson? (laughs) Busch. (laughs) I'm going to be devil's advocate. Larson. Uh, You're wrong again. We got you on another one. So, golly. You know, the question is, do I do I pull out another bush or do I finally go to Larson? Uh, we'll see. Let's check it out. 
I think if you're a race car driver, you want to succeed and be the best in your realm of racing. Who said it? Who said it? Kyle Larson or Kyle Busch? Larson. I got tricked you up, Miss Lee. It was actually Kyle Busch. And I, I, I just I had to. Uh, I know, right? All right, all right. I got one. All right, we're gonna do it. We're gonna, we're gonna. <laughs> so, what is it? Three to one. Three to one. All right. Two to one. Uh, two to one. You don't forget how to win. Who said it? Kyle Larson or Kyle Busch? Larson. Larson. Very good. Here's a tie. Larson. Larson did say that. Uh, for the tie. Uh, for the tie between. Well, no, I guess you're still one ahead. <clears throat> it's been nice to hang out with my friends of the sprint car world just because a lot of friends of the sprint car racing community are some of my best friends. Was that Kyle Larson or was that Kyle Bush? That's Larson. That sounds like a Kyle Larson. That one didn't fool you. I, I, I was hoping y'all would be uh, at the Brexton. So here's the final one. Now, what am I going to do? I'm not going to pull this one, but I'm going to save that for later. All right, what do you got? Here's where they could get interesting. Hendrick Motorsports overall has a lot of great people, and that gives you confidence that you can have a good season. Is that Kyle Bush or is that Kyle Larson? I say Bush. Ooh. I'm going to go Larson. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> See how much fun that was? That was amazing. All right, here's the one that I did not read, but I did circle it. I know deep down I'm not a racist. I would have been the tiebreaker. <laughs> I don't know why it's funny. Let's <laughs> take it from here. All right. So we have our race preview at Coda, Circuit of the Americas in Texas, our first road course race of the season. Um, of course, this is where we pick our race chat live favorites, contenders, and underdogs of the racing weekend to help not only us on the panel in 110 Nation, but also you, the fans, figure out, um, especially the ones in our NASCAR pool, uh, figure out what what driver that you'll be eyeballing to win the race, to win the race. Um, I have list off, listed off Ross Chastain, Alex Bowman, and Tyler Reddick as favorites. Contenders, William Byron, Eric Jones, Kyle Larson, and underdogs, Chris Buescher, Chase Briscoe, and Austin Sindrick. Now, I'm going to go back on what I said in the chat to you guys earlier, and that was there are two underdogs. I'm really considering moving up to contenders for two for, for a good reason. Um, and this will also kind of lead into what I said earlier about the RFK deal and Chris Buescher. Um, so I did a little bit of homework on this. Um, 
In 2022, there were six road course races. I average finished the full-time drivers this year that raced in these uh, that raced in the road course races last year, minus Chase Elliott, minus Ty Gibbs, only because Chase Elliott's not with us right, or Chase Elliott's injured right now. Um, so I'm not really considering him at the moment. And I did not consider Ty Gibbs being that he only raced a limited schedule. So, um, so with that being said, top three average finish of all road courses last year with a 9.0, Chris Busher, Chris Busher finished top 10 in every single road course race except for Coda finishing 21st. Austin Sindrick has a 9.3 average finish last year. Um, his worst finish is actually 21st at the Charlotte Roval and then 13th at Watkins Glen, the rest in the top 10. Tyler Reddick, uh, 9.5 average finish. Um, two races, finishing the top 10 in every road course race, except for Sonoma, where he finished 35th. Now, if you remember going back to my underdogs, I said Busher, Sindrick, and also Briscoe. This is where I'm considering put, putting Busher and Sindrick into the contenders list, but I did not want to do that until I heard a pit, thoughts and opinions on you guys. So, what do you guys think of names I have missed and the possible push of Busher and Sindrick? Uh, moving up to contenders. Uh, we'll start with you, Miss Lee. Any thoughts of what you have on names I missed and possible moving some guys up? Okay. Number one, move Busher to a contender. Absolutely. I was at Mid-Ohio when he won the Xfinity race there. Okay. Number two, one name that has not come up yet is the Dinger. And I don't think you can rule him out on any road course. I would put him as a favorite, honestly. Mm-hmm. And those are, those are the two I have changed All right, so we have four favorites, four contenders, two underdogs. Um, Let's pass the torch over to Craig, if he's back on. If not, Chris, chime in. We have Craig back on. All right, can you hear me? All right. So, hopefully I didn't lose your list, because... Um, uh, Chris, send it back to the chat. Okay. Um, I agree with Ms. Lee. I think Almondinger needs to be in there. Um, as well as moving Busher up to contender. I think the other contender you need to look at, uh, is Suarez. But would you put him as a contender or an underdog, Craig? I don't know. I I honestly would put him in as an underdog. 
And I think the one person you got you're sleeping on, Taz, is Kyle Bush. I think he should be a definite uh excuse me, a definite favorite. Yeah. All right, so second, Craig, right? hold on. So Craig throwing in Suarez as an underdog or a contender? And underdog. Kyle Bush. All right, so we're throwing Kyle Bush as a favorite, you're saying? Yes. Okay. Chris. Well, first of all, you're sleeping on Ryan Blaney, right? I mean, the guy's got a road course win. Of course, it comes in a weird way, but he still has a road course win, so he obviously runs up front. Um, and and <laughs> I, I I feel like Rodney Dangerfield every time I give this kid's name. What about Christopher Bale? He gets no respect. He has a road course win. Um, so, that, you know, whether or not you squeeze those into contenders, I'm not sure that they could be favorites. But I do All right. believe Fred, that there is gonna, room for both of those drivers on this list. I can I can help you out a bit here, Chris. So, Christopher Bell last year at Coda finished third. His average finish on a, on road course racing is 11.5, which is the fifth best of full-time drivers this year. As for you mentioning Ryan Blaney, he has the same average finish as Daniel Suarez, and he's about mid-pack. So Suarez, as a contender underdog, uh, could have been argued either way. Ryan Blaney, um, I could actually argue as a contender as well. So if you want to throw him in there, that's fine. Um, just the argument of Christopher Bell, we can throw him in as a favorite. Again, up to you, Chris. Uh, you know, favorite maybe. Um, definitely, uh, definitely a contender. Um, but I, I, I think we're also we're sleeping. Who, who the heck was it that we're sleeping on? You said Ryan Blaney. Uh, yeah, for sure, Ryan Blaney. There, there, there's. I mean, Michael McDowell's out there, right? You know, sleeping on him, and uh, another good road course racer. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe Jimmy Johnson should be put on that list somewhere. All right, I doubt it. So, so I put Bell as a favorite and McDowell as a contender, along with Ryan Blaney. So that fills our two lists. As for underdogs, there is a few others that we uh, kind of missed um, in that deal. Underdogs to throw in. Um, I know Chase Briscoe and Austin Sindrick were a couple. Um, I would Chastain, we said it was a favorite, Um, being that he has, at Coda, in the two races at Coda the NASCAR's had, um, obviously he won last year, but he has finished uh, in the top five both races um, at Coda. Now, underdogs. I can easily throw in Austin Dillon, and I know uh-uh. this is hard. And I know this uh-uh. is hard to. No, no, Rhinestone Cowboy will not get in over Kevin Harvick. No, just experience has that. No. But it, but it, who was the other guy? You were probably going to say Kevin Harvick, right? 
Well, Harvard can be thrown on one of the other lists, but if we're going to stick with six, we need to stick with six. Okay, I'm, but and there's I'm no room for underdog, underdog and you're going to really going to put Austin Dillon in an underdog fashion over Kevin Harvick. You're crazy. Wait, Craig, we have cool. we have we have missed memes in the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Just to throw it out there, this could be another week okay. where we don't do it. I have made I have made a, a living off of not making sure making sure that I do not uh, say the name of the driver that I'm actually pulling for uh, each week. Um, I'm not going to say whether I did that this week or not. But I will say that uh, I, in the past, have made sure that I did not mention the driver that I was going to pick. So uh, <laughs> it's kind of worked in my favor. So just, it's okay, Chaz. Don't get mad at me. <laughs> um, we got the oh no. field. Do, do hey, guys. Field? Wait a minute. Uh-oh. Just going to throw this out there. What about Ty Gibbs as an well, underdog? What about Ty Gibbs? Wow. Ooh. There's an underdog. Okay, so we need one more underdog. What can we throw in? Is Brad Keselowski on that list? No, but he does have an average finish. He had an average finish last year with Rhinestone Cowboy in road course races last year. Oh, my God. Well, I'm talking about over his career. Brad Keselowski has been known to be a very good road racer. Well, throw the throw whichever two in that uh, underdog spot uh, that you need to. Um, don't forget that uh, there are some uh, road ringers that are going to be in this event. Um, and shot. I'm with somebody All right. last I have week a good underdog. The pick. I have a good underdog. Somebody went way out there last week, and they picked who the hell did they pick? I seen a Corey LaJoy, and I seen another driver that was picked that I was just like, wow, that's uh, Josh that was a bold pick. Was it Josh Berry picked last week? Was it? Yeah, Josh Berry anyway. picked last week. All right, so Chris, hear me out. Justin Haley, underdog. Mm. I could agree with that. I don't know. I don't know. I, don't know. I have an you argument. I don't think so. I have an argument. Of course you do. <laughs> I love that, Craig. I need more of that every weekend, every week. <laughs> so, listen, no disrespect, to, no disrespect, Chris Lee, old, but uh, no disrespect, Miss Lee, but I swear to God, Taz is part female because everything he we say he disagrees with. <laughs> we could say the sky is blue and it's going to be 90 tomorrow, and he'd say to me, no, it ain't. Well, Taz, here it is going to be 90 tomorrow. <laughs> That's if he lives Look, in upstate New York. I made a career out of that, so y'all, y'all, y'all be easy, hey, my buddy. Taylor. We we wouldn't be race chat live and entertaining as it is if we were not, you know, the same people. If right. we were the same people. That's right. Right. Exactly. Well, we were to get All right. It's nine o'clock, y'all. Let's hear what, Miss Lee? What did you say? Let's hear what? Let's hear Taz's argument for for Justin Haley. Yeah, I want to hear the argument. All right, so quickly, since we're kind of basically out of time, Justin Haley, yeah. average finish last year in road court, all six road course races was a 15.5, 15th at Coda, 12th at Sonoma, 
unfortunate finish at Road America with 24th. Decent at Indianapolis with 19th. 18th at Watkins Glen, but a top five in Charlotte. So and he has the same average finish as a contender we have listed, Eric Jones, from last year. I'm just not really sure why Eric Jones is on my list. I, I wouldn't have him on my list, but um, we did not do that one. So. Um, finished top ten last year. And I want to see that car have a good run. I really do, and I believe with Jimmy Johnson and what he's going to bring to the table, he'll have a certain input on what that, what type of brakes and stuff that they need to run to get a good finish there. So I'm really looking forward to that. I think we've left a couple of good names out there. Uh, that we're just not thinking about Bubba Wallace, uh, uh, Eric Amarola, um, Chase Briscoe. Uh, he's been a hell of a road course racer. Um, didn't leave out Briscoe. But, uh, you know, uh, we Briscoe's didn't leave out a Briscoe. contender. Okay, well, Briscoe's an underdog. Yeah, those guys are uh, definitely good road course racers. Um, we've seen it in the past. Uh what a great show, man. I hate that I was late to the party, but uh, we, we definitely got it cruising along. Um, good show. Uh, well written. I enjoyed the new segment. Uh, we got a good laugh out of it. This will not be a weekly segment. Uh, I believe, uh, you know, we'll spontaneously pop this out just as we'll bring back the eight ball uh, again later on and, and try a few other things. What kind of eight ball? Oh, just kidding. <laughs> I did enjoy I, – I wish Craig could have been playing along because I, I, I just – you know, I think that uh, those two drivers have a lot of similarity, uh, but they are also complete opposites. Uh, so they've had uh, – you know, the next one, who knows, maybe it'll be Chase versus Chase or something like that. Who knows? Uh, I'll probably be a little bit different on the next one and just try to find some people that are similar in character. But uh, – what a great show. Thank you for listening to Race Chat Live. Uh, we, uh, we're on all your favorite podcasts. I'm going to send it over to our Tasmanian devil, uh, Taz Taylor, as he closes out tonight's show. But I do want to thank you guys. Miss Lee, thank you. Craig, thank you. Uh, and, of course, Taz Taylor, man. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening on to Race Chat Live here on Blog Talk Radio. If you ever miss us live at any time, you can go back and listen to us on any form of podcast, such as Blog Talk Radio, podpage.com, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, RSS Feed, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, GeoSaving, Podcast Addict, Deezer, Podchaser, and on YouTube. Thank you to our sponsors that make the 110 Nation roll. Phoenix Fitness, Bears Bullish Market Talk Group, Carolina Sports Plus, TNT Designs, Yellow Caution Flag Seduction, and More to Music, Entertainment, and Karaoke. We want to say good night. Thank you again so much for listening. We'll see you the same bat time, same bat place next Tuesday night on Race Chat Live. This is the Caution Flag of Racing Radio. Chris Creighton, the DJ Music Man, Craig Moore, the Mama Bear of the 110 Nation, Miss Lee Reed, and I'm the Tasmanian Double Flagger singing Taz Taylor. Good night. See you all next week. See ya. Good night. Bye. Bye.
Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. You know you Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. 